Welcome back, everyone, to the Creator Spotlight here on the Spotlight here on Fightful.com. I'm still Jeremy Lamert. That is still Stephen Jensen. And we are joined today by media personality who works for blank, 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 <laughs> blank, blank, and blank. It's Ella J. How you doing? I did Ella? tell him to say that. <laughs> so it works. I'm great. How are you guys today? Doing well. Great. Doing well. Yes, I was going to list off the, the 500 websites you work for, and you're like, Yo, we'll be here all day. Just say blank, blank, blank. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. So can't ask me to do these things. I will 100% do them. Okay. <laughs> Ella, first question, just how did you get started in the wrestling media space? Yeah, so it was not by like accident. It was just kind of on a whim because my degree is totally unrelated. I graduated with my bachelor's degree in psychology and minored in creative writing was set to go to grad school, enrolled in everything for a second to go for my master's. But then I was like, mm, I don't really know if this is exactly what I want to do because that's more debt and you get even less aid in grad school. So I was like, you know, maybe I'll take a break, maybe a semester or a year off while working the the same shoot job that that I just left um, a couple years that I just left recently. So I was there for like six and a half years. I was like, I'm just going to work, you know, and like I was part of the wrestling community at that time. But I was like, I'll have so much free time like outside of work now and i had seen like you guys have had my good friend samira on here before mm -hmm. she was killing it and doing like interviews in that time and also people like chris van fleet and alicia too were into like podcasting and interviewing i was like mm, you know i love wrestling i've been part of the wrestling twitter community for a couple years now and i was like i love talking about it it's not something i get to talk about really in person i was really a closeted fan in like high school and middle school to be honest with you so like twitter was like finally the place where i could talk about it i was like i'm going to start my own podcast you know and then a wrestling gal was born and it's kind of evolved from there yeah very relatable i'm sure there's a lot of people ourselves included and people listening to this right now closeted wrestling fans growing up most of their lives probably even more difficult for women to be honest like because like it's even less likely yeah. you'd be into wrestling um but uh you know and then I i'm obviously I'm, I'm big on education and everything i know you said that you uh kind of pass up a master's degree it sounds like to to start you know kind of the, the getting the ball rolling um, I have a bachelor's degree. I don't think that like it's one of those things like necessarily. It depends on what you want to go into, right? And I think that um, I, I, heard, I was listening to an interview recently that I thought was really interesting. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Carl Jacobs. He's in like the Mr. Beast videos and yeah, the big yeah, with crafters. the streamers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch Carl. Yeah, and that whole group. Yeah, yeah. So Carl, um, I heard I've heard him in interviews before talking about how um, basically like he was going to college and trying to become a video editor. And he was going to school for editing. And then, like, the opportunity arose to become Mr. Beast's brother's um, YouTube editor, which eventually evolved into him, like, becoming a part of the main. My whole point with this, though, is he basically was offered the dream job while he was in school. And he was like, okay, I could either stay in school and keep learning how to edit and then hopefully get offered a job close to this good afterwards or just drop out of school right now and just go do the job. And like, you know what I mean? So I just think that's something that's that's worth bringing up as well, where it's like your plans can change. Like if you wanted to get a master's degree, you wanted to get this, you want to do that. But like a good opportunity comes up, like you might want to try it, you know, because you never kind of know what, what, what might come out of that.
Yeah, this frankly started out as a hobby for me just with my podcast going forward. I didn't intend this to kind of create even possibly like a career path for me. It just started out. I was like, I'm going to be like off for the next year. Maybe if I decide to go to grad school or not, I might as well do something fun that I enjoy doing. And then obviously it's evolved since then. And I mean, it has nothing to do with my bachelor's, but I don't regret my time in college. But like you said, sometimes plans change. How did you get involved with the the Gallcast? Uh, for people <laughs> who who don't know, the Gallcast Grown Ass Women <laughs> podcast with Mickey James, Victoria, SoCal Val. How did your involvement in that come about? So Mickey had known me for a couple of years before that through social media, and ironically. A- yesterday was the five-year anniversary of when we first met in person and like I would see her at her music events and like the local shows here and we became like friendly on social media and stuff she knew who I was and so then they started up got tv I was like of course I'm gonna support this this is in like May of 2020 um she was familiar that I was doing my own podcast and stuff and then I interviewed her myself at one point and then later on that year in November she's like hey like I want to like do something for you. You obviously like have a passion for you. Like, how would you feel about like helping us with our, like launching our podcast initially? Um, I, okay. So before she even got there, she knew she wanted to, she pitched me to help her in some way, whether it was with social media or stuff, because frankly, I've made a couple of TikToks for her. A good portion of her TikTok content is because of me. So I was helping her with social media. And then I was like, ah, I, I mean, I don't know. And then she had the idea of like launch, helping them launch their podcast. And so now I, um, exclusively edit their podcast and put that out on the audio platforms and all of that for them after it's gone out on youtube about a week later goes out on the audio platforms like spotify anchor and stitcher and all of that so that it kind of just naturally progressed from there and then obviously now i'm good friends with lisa and val too i think you said that started around may of 2020 yeah that's when they that's when they started their god that's when they started god tv and then they later that year they started like their podcast and then that officially started in january Mm -hmm. of 2021 so last year so so with the um what do you, do you know if like the pandemic was kind of like kind of like a part of that, that a big reason why they started doing it because that that timing is like right yeah. when oh was, absolutely yeah. it, it really was the time that they started that and they've said that before they were just kind of at home you know they were good friends or like we want to do something and you know there was the influx of people coming out with podcasts during that time that was definitely a big factor in it i i love the Gallcast. if anybody has not checked it out what are you doing but they those three are great and they just like sit around and they drink wine. Like who are you wearing this week? Like, what are you drinking (laughs) this week? It is very just like laid back girls chat and they get into wrestling and everything. And I know that like after Mickey had got released, like that was a a huge episode. I remember that was like appointment viewing uh, after that because she went into detail with everything. So if you have not checked out the Gawcast, please, please do that. Um, What are you, what are you involved with now? Because I know you made the announcement couple weeks ago of like i'm doing now wrestling full time so how did it all work out to where now this is your 100 percent career so i'd been literally like manifesting going full time in the universe for like almost two years now but it was that fear of you know i don't want to jump into this unless i have two things and that's consistency and financial stability and so i was working my shoot job which was retail combined with all the other stuff i was doing with like wrestle zone se scoops capital championship wrestling yada yada goes on and on i was like i really want to do this full time because i've missed out on some opportunities and some more like more work in wrestling because I was 
laid down by my shoot job, but it, that kind of like was my safety net for a bit. So I was like, if I can find like something that can give me about the same amount of hours and kind of act as that safety net in place of my shoot job, but in wrestling, then like, I'm going to go for it. And plus my schedule was changing each week because if you work retail, your schedule doesn't stay consistent. So that was always hard going week to week. I was like, Oh, I need to let you know if I can do this once I get my schedule. So I was like, Oh, I'm kind of getting sick of doing that. So it was actually, I had been searching for like something on like it, it actually, I found it on indeed. I didn't even see that they announced it on Twitter with wrestling Inc. I was like just typing in wrestling on indeed. And then, and then it came up like wrestling news writer. I'm like, Hmm what's this? And then I saw it and then I like read it. It's freelance work. It's basically what I was doing now with SE scoops and wrestle zone, but you can choose your own set of hours and the pay was pretty good to be honest. And so I was like, Hmm, let me update my resume to reflect my updated work and that. And so I applied, went through the whole onboarding process, the trial shift, and then they accepted me. And so now that's kind of taking the place of my shoot job about the same amount of hours and days. And so that for me right now is like, I'm excited to do it. But that for me was really the catalyst that made me feel confident enough to expand my role more in the other stuff that I was doing, but also now start wrestling full time, if that makes sense. For sure. Um, so when it, when it comes to all the different roles you fulfill, anything you enjoy kind of more than, than the other, because I like, I've done news for, for years and I've always said like this show podcasting, like that's my break from news writing. Cause I'm very deep into the news writing game. But, like, I just love doing shows, anything like, Oh, the news writing, really? That's the thrill for me. The podcast, the hosting, like what's the, what's the thrill for you when it comes you, to, wrestling? you know, it's funny because the news writing is like, I don't know if it's like seven, I would say it's like 60% of my like current schedule now going forward. However, interviewing is honestly my favorite thing. It's what I've done on my podcast. It just frankly, though, it mean it's not enough to like fill your whole plate and get paid and survive off of that. But <laughs> interviewing is my favorite thing. And maybe that's the psychology major in me is connecting with people and getting to know their stories beyond, I mean, in and outside of wrestling. For me, that's my favorite thing is doing my research search on people and finding cool facts or cool stuff about them or sometimes talking about deeper stuff that they might have not opened up about before for me it's connecting with people and for me that's like my favorite thing whether it's virtual or in person is interviewing so i wish i hope i'll be doing that a little bit more with um a couple of the expanded roles i'll be taking on for like wrestle zone and se scoops but i love interviewing kind of like how we're doing here today do you have um well actually two questions first one if you remember if you have like a vivid like recollection of like the first time you interviewed a wrestler like what that experience was like and who it was and who it was and then also if you could follow up afterwards with um just like if you have a couple like favorite interviews obviously like it's cool to be able to get anyone we can get like i don't like to rank my favorite people we've had on the show or anything like that but if you have a couple like special interviews that come to mm -hmm. mind i'd like to hear about those as well yeah, so the first wrestler I interviewed was, um, she was ROH Women's Champion at the time, who I was good friends with, who was Kelly Klein before all that stuff happened with her. And so I kind of started out, went and leaned on people I was comfortable with, like Samira. I knew Alicia, too. Uh, Kelly Klein, I was pretty good friends with, too. So I kind of leaned on people that I knew out starting out. And so, like, 
I, it was, I remember that. And she gave me feedback afterwards. I tried to like, there was some bit more basic, like general questions in there, but it was my first time asking, uh, interviewing a wrestler. And so she gave me good feedback. She's like, you had a good mix of like general questions, you know, that were like relevant, but also some deeper questions that also like made her feel comfortable and like opened the box a little bit more. So she gave me some good feedback that day. I remember that. And so from then going forward, I tried to shy a little bit away from those like cliche questions, unless God forbid it's somebody's first interview, which I think I've been somebody's first interview, like on about a dozen occasions now. So unless it's their first interview or I can't find any content on them, I really try not to lean on those cliche basic wrestling questions. But in terms of my favorites, um, I mean, I feel like it has to be Deanna Perrazzo. I've interviewed her like eight times now. And honestly, I feel like my favorite one, though, was the first one after she just got released from NXT. And she was doing kind of doing the tour thing going on. But I felt like we had a cool conversation because she had been coming from a place where she had been pitching herself. And she had been pitching herself to NXT and really had just been released and requested that. And she was kind of in this weird, like, purgatory with stuff. And so we were talking about not only advocating for yourself, but advocating for others and knowing your worth and deeper topics like that. And so I was just really blown away from her. And then obviously we've built a good rapport since then. And it's always fun interviewing her. And I feel like obviously, I mean... My girl, Mickey James, is always fun. But um, in terms of, like, indie stuff, I would say Becca um, from, like, um, bought the Boston area was really fun because she has a lot of cool stuff about her that, like, people don't know. Like, she was in a band. She collects vinyl. She has so many cool things about her. I think that was the most, like, genuinely fun conversation I've had where most, like, 90% of the interview was not even wrestling. Any any dream interviews that you have? Like, I got to, at some point in my career, get this person. Yes. Yeah, so I have like two that I've been really kind of trying to manifest that I doubt will ever happen. One is Jamie Hayter that I've literally been manifesting for th- over three years now. She was actually part of the first ever, it sounds stupid to say, but the first ever indie match that I ever watched actually was her versus Britt Baker in Pro Wrestling Eve before they went to the whole AEW stuff. And so she's one that I've been a fan of since before I even started my podcast. And, um, King Coda, Dakota Kai is also one I've been trying to manifest. However, I doubt that those two will ever happen since they're both signed, kind of signed to major companies, but never say never in pro wrestling. Who, who are yours, Jeremy? Danielson? Oh, yeah. Sure, probably like Danielson. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to ask about the, the Tony Khan incident. <laughs> um, I don't remember the exact media call, but you, you would ask the question about NWA and power and women's wrestling and Tony just like cut you off with it and then went on his big rant that he went on and you'd said afterwards like just talk to tony he was apologetic and and everything is is fine but in that moment like what are what are you feeling when he just kind of cuts in and starts being tony Khan? Well, I just want to note, this is kind of my first time, like, publicly talking about it. Oh. Um, so thanks for putting me on the spot, Jeremy. Oh, awesome. It's fine. Awesome. <laughs> I figured um, you would ask about this before. No, because... no. I'm, no, I have not talked about it before. But, you know, it's been about, it's been about a year now. Um, I just remember being, like, my, I just, like, it's the same feeling that I get when I'm, like, public speaking. It sounds terrible to say as, like, a media personality, but, like, my chest feels like it's, like, swelling up, and I just remember, like, being in shock. Like, I did couldn't really register what was happening, 
And then at the end, when he was like, does that make sense? I'm just like, okay. And I don't, I didn't really know what was happening. It was all happening so fast. And then I'm getting DMs, tweets, like as this whole thing is happening right now. And I'm at first I was just kind of in shock. I couldn't process what had really happened. And then when it's the, you know, the mentions and all that stuff kind of started flooding in and then later getting, you know, death threats and and mean tweets about it you know it was oh, just no. like i don't i didn't want this i didn't even i wasn't even supposed to be on that media call because i was supposed to have an interview at that time during that media call but earlier in the day the girl messaged me was like hey can we move it back an hour and so i was like i guess i'll go on the media call now so i was almost not even on that media call which is this the craziest thing of it all but i just remember being so in shock and like I'm like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And I don't know, it was foreign territory to me. And I didn't, I think I handled it pretty well, to be honest. Um, but did. it's still something that like still sticks with me and that I was afraid was going to kind of define my career. Um, this is still really weird to like talk about, but that was one of my worries. I was like, people are only going to remember me now as this girl who got like, ousted on a media call and i was like oh my gosh this is gonna follow me and i'm not even gonna be able to like go beyond this this is not gonna be the only thing people remember me for but obviously i feel like that's turned out to not be the case it's obvious it's still there but i don't think that that's my legacy now so far in wrestling media i mean i definitely don't think it is i apologize i didn't realize i figured you've been <laughs> asked about this before and so we, we've got an exclusive here with ellis i didn't mean to bring up like anything no, you're bad good. about this um but it's definitely like i don't think about that when i think about you i asked about it because i feel it was something to, to yeah, talk about i it was something that it honestly like i said i was worried that that was going to define me for the rest of my career and i was like oh my gosh nobody's going to want to work with me now and honestly like I kind of shied away from media calls then. I was kind of not traumatized from it, like just being honest. But I kind of was. I was like, I'm afraid to like ask a question now. So I kind of like would steer away from some of the future media calls until I felt more comfortable until recently. But even then still, like I kind of had that same feeling. I was like, oh gosh, like I got to tread lightly because there was so many like there was a lot of support, but there was also a good majority of people that were like, like I said, coming for me on social media and in emails and sending like threats and stuff which is something i had never dealt with before see all i saw and i'm sorry you had to go through the, the threats and everything because that's just terrible from people but all i saw was the support because i we follow a lot of mutuals and all of our mutuals were pretty much like hey hope you're okay and everything and then the way my perspective anyway it was like tony what are you doing like don't just knock this off. Like I felt bad for you that, that this happened. And I thought Tony looked bad in this, not you. Like I thought you, you were just doing your job. You're just asking a question. And Tony was the one who came off bad in this whole thing. And so, yeah, I didn't even think of the perspective of like, Oh, this is not good for Ella. I'm just thinking of like, Ella's fine. She's just doing her job, but I'm sorry you went through that. And now I feel bad for you. It's okay. It's luckily, <laughs> luckily the mute button was a thing. However, <laughs> yeah. I definitely went down the rabbit hole that I shouldn't have and like read it and like searching Twitter oh. mentions. I will say <laughs> I was very guilty of that. And then finding people mm. making like podcasts and like articles about it. I'll say I was very guilty at that. So it's not something that I try to do anymore because I've already gone down that rabbit hole and kind of got lost in it, to be honest, in that moment. But it's about a year removed now. I feel like we've patched things 
things up. Um, I've obviously done an AEW interview, one interview since then. I've been to, I've been invited to um, have media press passes for them. So, I mean, I guess we're on good terms now, but it's still something I look back and I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> well, I mean, if it makes you feel any better, like over the last year, especially like really recent, like Tony kind of is kind of, I don't know if it's the right way to, you guys want to know what I mean. Like he's yes. kind of becoming, it's becoming kind of a, a, a pattern of like yes. not being the best when it comes to some of these media interviews and stuff like that. So like, I, I think you're, it's something where like it kind of helps your case a little bit too, if that makes sense, where it's like, okay, yeah. we've kind of seen like TK might not be the best at handling a lot of this stuff to begin with. Um, now on the flip side, positive <laughs> notes, you mentioned some, like some good mentors and friends of yours, like Samira and um, Alicia too. I remember, man, I, I think I came across her stuff, um, Alicia's stuff when she was doing Ambi. I don't know if she still does yes. that or not. Yeah. But yeah, I remember, I remember knowing her as like a music, like a musician interviewer. And then, and then I started noticing her in wrestling and I was like, and then I didn't, and then I realized she's like, like a lot, I shouldn't say, well, she's definitely younger than I am. It was one of those things she was like accomplishing all this stuff with mm -hmm. like all these big musicians and wrestlers and all this. I was like wow, this is really, really, really impressive. I had no idea someone was doing this. What's it like getting, you know, having people like that to talk to and get feedback from? Because that has to be so huge to just be able to pick people's brains like that, that, that have that experience that, that you're kind of trying to, you know, uh, like, you know, they've had all the success and you want to have success as well. And they're willing to like, you know, let, let them pick your mind and everything or let, let you pick them their mind rather. Yeah. So I found Alicia when she interviewed Chris Jericho the second time it was 2017. So far before um, I even started any of this stuff, but yeah, Alicia, I believe is only two years older than me. So like when I started out, it, I was, it was kind of when I first started watching her, she was about the same age. And so it's cool. And she's one of my like three, like big, like inspirations and her and even, I mean, a fightful zone, Denise, Denise, yeah. I will, I, I asked Denise for some advice while I was trying to get my stuff in line and transitioning to full time. And she's one that I look up to a lot. So I was like, thank you because Denise, I feel like is the connoisseur. I feel like 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 Denise is just amazing and I look up to her a lot. She is obviously big in the spotlight and has worked her butt off the last few actually for like a while now. And she's definitely one that I also look up to and Alicia and Chris, and they've all like given me good advice that has still stuck with me. It's kind of surreal that like I get to kind of work with and pick the brain of people that I like look up to and kind of aspire to be like. And so I it's just cool to see them progress and then hopefully one day I can kind of get to a path or reach similar success or, you know, work ethic that they have. So it's cool that I'm be, I'm able to have access to them and that I've kind of been kind of not following in their steps, but also accomplish some of the same things that they have. Who would win a fight between me and Denise Salcedo? Oh, I remember you asking this. It would definitely be Denise. She, yeah, she, I, I asked Samira, could she beat up Denise Salcedo? I don't want to. I don't want to pit people against each other. Now, now I'm just gonna have everybody beat me up. That's that's the new the new bit here. Uh, she 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 almost beat me up at my wedding the other day. Uh, Did other she? Day. No, no, no. We we sang Taylor Swift together. It was a, yeah. a grand old time, as you would expect from from us two Swifties. Uh, but Denise and I are gonna fight at some point, and she's gonna you well be you better you better just be sure you don't get low blowed she it she does <laughs> i know she has a mean yeah. low blow she's scrappy <laughs> she's very scrappy 
Uh, your involvement in Pro Wrestling Illustrated and the PWI, the Women's 500. How did how did all that come about? Yeah, so last year, the Women's 150, um, that was a fun time. That was my first time being part of anything with PWI, getting asked to be part of the ranking committee last year and then writing a whole interview, uh, or not, well, kind of interviewed. I chatted with Chelsea Green, Deanna Perrazzo, and Mickey James to write an article on Empower. I was also there and kind of like promoting women's wrestling and how far it's come and how far it, like, the history of it was in the NWA. And so last year was really cool being on the committee. I didn't make the committee this year, but I do still have a piece coming out in pro wrestling illustrated, the women's one fifty issue. So that's going to be really fun. But yeah, last year was really cool. Kind of having like my work recognized kind of cause women's wrestling, I feel like is like my brand and my niche, you know, it's not something I intended to come into, but it's something I'm genuinely passionate about. So it was really cool to be invited and to be a voice. And last year was the first 150 issue cause it expanded from a hundred to 150. And so that was cool kind of being brought in as the indie expert, I was told and being able to lend my voice to all these girls I've chatted with a lot on my own podcast anyways. So that was honestly really, really fun and having my voice heard and having some like influence in the decision of some of the girls that I had advocated for and them being higher up than maybe necessarily they were considering. And that's uh for people listening, that's out today that that PWI. So that's October 27th. Sometime after y'all hear this this morning, y'all can check that out as well. Um so yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I like I said, last year I was on the committee. This year I was not, but I did still write a piece, actually two pieces in this year's issue. So I'm super excited for everyone to see it. What what goes into being on the committee? Because we had Regis Reg on a few weeks ago, and he's, he's part of the, the 500, and he does mm-hmm. the Black Wrestling Excellence uh, 500 as well. And, you know, he talked about people get mad about the rankings. Like if you put them one place, they're, they're like yeah. in your DMS and then other people like use those numbers to get like bookings and stuff. Like, are you conscious of these numbers and how people are going to react to, Oh man, if I put them at one Oh one, instead of 99, they're going to be mad at me. Last year. I feel like for me, this was, it was literally my first time ever being on a committee. So I didn't kind of really know what to go into expecting to it, except like, I know my girls pretty much. And I feel like we each had a designated, like we had a Japanese Japan expert. We had people who were familiar with the indie scene, like WWE, AW impact, like all those little niches within it. For me, I feel like last year I wasn't really, there was a couple of instances where I'm thinking about like, Oh, so-and-so is probably going to think that they deserve to be higher or people are going to be mad that so-and-so like wasn't number one or something like that, or they're mad at who number one is at the end of the day, people are going to be mad no matter what we all have our own subjective opinions. So we try to keep it as objective as possible with actual criteria with like the quality of matches, the cultural impact, their win loss record, number of championships held. There's literally a whole guideline to the evaluation period and what the, what is, what is it called? The guidelines and the parameters set the criteria of yeah. what goes into making this list. So there's actually, there's some objectiveness to this. Most of it is, but also part of it is subjective, like the cultural impact or like people's influence on other people. And so it's, again, we're just seven or eight people going into this who have pro wrestling experience. We're just a small little bubble of wrestling experts, but on the grand scheme of things, just like with anything, people are going to have their own opinions and no matter what to 
even like we saw with the 500 people are people are gonna argue no matter what you do you can't appease everybody so speaking kind of to this specifically with uh like women's wrestling um i know on this year's list on the pwi 500 and on last year's list um last year trisha dora was at i think 44 and this year she was at 50 um I think that's pretty wild. I think it's cool. Obviously, I'm a big fan of independent wrestling and I follow her career. And, you know, but it's wild to see somebody, a, a, a woman ranked that high on that list to begin with is incredibly impressive. But it's even more impressive to me because she doesn't have really any mainstream visibility. Like no one knows her from like WWE, AEW, anywhere else. It's like, but she's she's grinded the indies and had and just put on this catalog over the last few years. It's been so impressive that she gets ranked that highly. Um, can you speak any at, at all to that? Because I know that you pay attention to that being an indie fan, but I know you said like the committee is going to be all over the place. Some people are going to be mainly WWE, maybe AEW, this or that. Um, how, how does everyone get on board like to, to rank Trisha Dora so high? Because I think that that personally, I, I agree with it, but I just feel like a lot of people might've seen that and been like, who's Trisha Dora? You know what I mean? Like it's kind of wild. So I can't speak to the 500 list necessarily, but I know that Trisha Dora is also one again for for all the women who ranked on the on the 500, much like an Alley Catch, Amasha Slamovich, a Billy Starks. A lot of it has to again do with the criteria of them competing in open weight divisions. And she, I mean, her honestly, I think her and Masha and Alley, like I believe, were the three most highest ranked women on the 500 list they compete against a in a lot of open weight divisions against men and stuff like that all three so, of them plus yeah. really ma mainly wrestle men actually yeah. Yeah. yeah which is exactly like kind of what the 500 debate is based on those open weight divisions or against the men so i feel like there's always a case for her when it, like you said a majority of their matches are against men or intergender and stuff like that and trisha dora i mean she's probably i think she's also wrestled for a couple men's championships too and stuff like that but she's also at the time she i'm trying to think of the evaluation period right now she had some exposure obviously with ring of honor and aew but i think it's to also her cultural impact herself like she's still yeah. the pan-african diaspora champion and so for me she's also had a big cultural impact on the black community as well so that is also a part of the 500 list as well as the cultural impact and so i feel like it's a combination of her skills she's held a couple championships obviously like you said she wrestles against a lot of um in the open weight divisions for intergender wrestling she's definitely had a cultural impact and i'm sure her win-loss record is pretty good as well mm -hmm. especially on the indies and so you know maybe her name value or stock isn't mainstream but i feel like she's one who even if you haven't seen her on tv i feel like if you're if you're beyond casual you've at least heard of trisha dora i feel like um, unless you're living under a rock. And so I think rightfully so, she deserves to be that high. She's kind of pushing the boundaries for women. And plus, too, it makes a statement. If there's anybody that's going to make a statement, it would be Trisha Dora. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'd imagine, obviously, I know we can't talk about the women's list coming up until it releases, but I'd imagine she's probably ranked pretty high on that, as are the women. You just mentioned um, Ali Catch, Billy Starks, um, Jordan Grace. You know, there's, there's so much good talent. Masha Slamovich. I mean, Masha... Masha might be my favorite wrestler, period, right now. Like, anywhere. Like, I love Masha. I mean, I love Jordan, too. I've been glowing about their match at, um, at Bound for Glory since I was it happened. there. I oh, was man. I was there in Albany. I was 
fully convinced. I was like, there's no way Masha's going to lose this. You know, she hasn't <laughs> lost since knockouts knockdown um, against Deanna Perazzo. So, so for like basically a year, she's been undefeated in Impact Wrestling. But those two pulled out all the stops. The crowd was chanting, you can't beat her to, to Jordan. And that fired her up even more, gave Masha all of her best stuff. And honestly, I was left speechless in a good way when Jordan defeated Masha because it was a good surprise. That was a fantastic matchup and impact definitely left it unpredictable for me. Cause I was literally thoroughly convinced that Masha was walking away with the championships. Like there's no way Masha's going to lose, but that match Jordan grace, this second run is really proving otherwise. And so I'm excited to see where she goes from here. I, I completely agree. I've, I've called it before. I think I've said it here on this channel before I've said it on some other podcasts. I think Jordan grace to me, she'd be my number one candidate to be the one to eventually beat Josh Alexander for the world title. Like I would, I would just have her keep, keep running with this knockout championship. And then, you know, cause she's also been in the mix for like the exhibition title before and stuff yeah. like that. And what I like about the Masha and oh, I love, I love the, the whole match, but I like the layer of Masha had it. Like she hit the snow plow, Jordan yes. landed too close to the ropes. So there was the visual pin still. So Masha was still protected and there's still meat on the bones. If they want to come back, which I, I, they would be very foolish not to come back to that. Like you got to run that match back because it was so good. Um, so that's cool that you were there live though, because I mean that was yeah that's that's honestly one of those matches I've been telling everybody since it happened. Like yeah. if you're a fan of wrestling, especially if you for some reason in 2022 still have some sort of reservation about like high level women's wrestling, like show them that match. Like you can't tell me that isn't as good as anything else you're going to see all night. So. Yeah, that match some... was fantastic. Go on, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, who are some of your favorite wrestlers to, to watch now or in, in the past? Um, I feel like we've named a bunch of them. Like, Deanna Perrazzo is always amazing. I love her. I love saying the virtuosa. I feel like I'm just biased to her. I mean, I have her. I did this backwards. I have her hanging up over here. She's fantastic. Like you said, Masha's great. Billy, Billy Starks. It's it's scary that she's not even like reached her full prime yet. Like she's been on like AEW Dark, but she hasn't even reached her prime yet. And she is so good. It's kind of scary to be honest. Um, but one that I feel like is really underrated, um, at least on the indie scene, is Sandra Moon. Mm -hmm. Um, we've seen her wrestle Billy. She's added been added a couple times at GCW. She's a former FSW women's champion she's kind of like the leader of the subspace division i feel like she's really coming up she's based in las vegas and around the west coast we've seen her travel a little bit over to the east coast she's one that i am really really psyched for and really am invested in so i think she's gonna take the world by storm um and also damage control i mean i'm a big fan of all three of those um at least within the wrestling the women's wrestling landscape i always love those three i'm so glad that those, those three are three I wouldn't have like pinged together to be together because they're so amazing all singles, but I love that they're what they've been doing so far. Uh, last one. Coolest thing in your room. Ooh. She might have just pointed at it. She was like, I love this job. You got some cool, cool pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? There. You're going to make me literally get this off of my wall over here. <laughs> Let's, do Let's do it. Let's do it. So that was my favorite part when everybody just like leaves and it's like i gotta go grab this and then i will I'll come back with it yes look at my stuff back this here. thing is huge Big surprise. By the way. oh okay um this thing is oh. literally huge I'm not, you know, I think I think it's really cool. The design of it is really cool. Like the artwork is really cool of Liv Morgan. 
And so I feel like it's Liv Morgan. She's also just really cool herself. Like, it's just, it's like, I don't have anything like it else in my room, like art wise. And it's like the biggest piece that I own. So I would say this, to be honest. That's pretty cool. sweet. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Ella, let the people know where they can find you at. You can find me on Twitter at it's Ella J. If you go to the link tree in my bio, you can find most of my links. I still have to update it a little bit, but you can find all the links there in my link tree there the easiest way. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us again. Go to at it's Ella J on Twitter. Follow all of her work with all the blank, blank and blank and blank websites that she is working for nowadays. I'm very happy that one, you were in the space period and two, that you are now in the space full time. So anybody that can like do this for a full time thing makes me excited because I know there aren't too, too many of us out there. So it is great to have more full time people uh, doing this in, in the wrestling media space. Ella, thank you again for joining us. Guys, we'll be right back here on the